It's been a while since we've updated our positional dynasty rankings for you guys on YouTube. So today we're going to be breaking down our top 30 overall dynasty wide receiver in tier list format. We do have rookies included in this tier list as well, so that you guys can get an idea of where Marvin Harrison fits in, where Malik neighbors fits in so on and so forth. And of course, as we often do with these tier list videos, we do have their trade value on the left side um, as the name of the tier list, which you guys seem to really appreciate. So this should be very fun. Obviously, we're going to start with wide receivers today because it's a very popular position in Dynasty, but we will be tackling quarterbacks, running backs, and tight ends all from a super flex frame of mind as well. So I'm excited to get into this one. Danny, how you doing? Doing well, doing well. And yeah, just looking at some of these young studs that we have at the top of the wide receiver rankings in Dynasty gets me excited. I'm a big wide receiver guy. I love watching these guys play all of them superstar level talent. And uh, like Corey said, we'll be going through our top 24, including some of the oncoming rookies. So if you want to see who that is, make sure you stay tuned. Yeah, for sure. So as always, leave a like, subscribe, all of our dynasty rankings available at flockfantasy.com promo code FSC for 30% off. But with that being said, let's get into it. All right, so we are now into the tier list. You guys can see we have it grayed out uh, outside of the top tier right now. Um, our top tier of wide receivers, and as you can see with all of these tiers, we have their trade value in Superflex formats listed here. We're kind of going to go over this from like a macro perspective. We're not going to go individual player takes. You know, this guy is this high because of this reason. We're going to just talk about the tiers in general to give you guys an idea of who you should have ranked around each other. And if you want to go trade for players, like which guys are on the up in certain tiers, which guys are on the down in certain certain tiers and, you know, use that to your advantage. For example, when we get to this, this top tier, Jamar Chase might be on the down and CeeDee Lamb is on the up. If you can go from uh, Lamb to Chase and pocket a second round pick, that's the type of trade that we'd be talking about in the framework of this video. So hopefully that makes sense to everybody. Again, try not to focus too, too much on like who we have ranked over each other. It's more so who's generally on the same level playing field in terms of overall dynasty value for us. Yeah, 100%. And I mean, if we're looking at this top tier, all of them have their cases as to why they are here. So the order of them uh, differs. Uh, it's funny because those first three guys that you mentioned, we all basically have as our consensus wide receiver too, because our first and our third are both inverse respectively. Uh, uh, me having CeeDee Lamb at one, Jamar Chase at three, and Justin Jefferson at two. You having uh, Jamar Chase at one, Jefferson at two, and CeeDee Lamb at three. So I think those are the pretty pretty clear top three dynasty wide receivers. You're going to see all those guys find their way inside the first round of your startups. And for valid reason, I mean, the oldest one on the list here, January 16th, 1999, just turned 25 years old with Justin Jefferson. All of them have that, you know, 1,700, 1,800 plus yard, 12 plus receiving touchdown level upside. And on any given year, I can see them being the wide receiver one. Obviously, the comparison here, uh, Jefferson, if he had more quarterback stability long term, if we knew Kirk Cousins was back, maybe would be the one here. Uh, Jamar Chase hasn't had that evidently high ceiling quite yet, but he's still attached to Burrow. He still showed what he did in his rookie year. 1,300 yards, 15 touchdowns is the range of outcomes that we can see. And then with CeeDee Lamb obviously coming with off of that pinnacle year, kind of having the best of both worlds where I don't think he's uh, necessarily the top end talent. Uh, that Jefferson is like, I think Jefferson's the wide receiver one overall in the league. CD Lamb probably the third or fourth best receiver, in my opinion. And he doesn't have quite the insulated uh, factor of a guy like Jamar Chase attached to Joe Burrow for the rest of his career. Dak Prescott being an older quarterback contract potentially expired. Uh, there's more factors there for CD Lamb. But regardless, I feel like the reason why I have him at one is that you have the stability and you also have that elite 
1800 yard 13 plus touchdown uh evidence ceiling like he showed this year yeah and i think i'll, I'll defend my chase at one take For here. Sure. he is a year younger than both of these guys so that's part of it he also has the best quarterback with joe burrow and i assume long-term stability that they're not going to let chase out of the building they're not they already Dude. have it Joe Burrow out of the building. And it's not just his rookie year. Yeah, he was the wide receiver five in points per game at 17.9 PPR points. His rookie year, he was also the wide receiver four in points per game at 20.2 yep. second season. And even this year in a quote unquote, like bad season down year, he was still 16.4 uh, fantasy points per game. Wide receiver 11 with Joe Burrow hurt with himself banged up. Everything went wrong for the Bengals and he was still a low end wide receiver one. So for me, of this group, as we talked about, he's on the low right now, and you could probably buy him for 90 cents of what it costs you to get Justin Jefferson or CeeDee Lamb, even though I actually value him the highest, if not on the same level playing field as we talked about. The other like newcomer to this tier that yeah. we haven't mentioned yet is Marvin Harrison Jr. So me and Danny have both graded Marvin Harrison. He is a generational prospect, and I don't use that term loosely. I've used three generational grades in the last three draft classes. Dijon Robinson last year, Trevor Lawrence in 2021 and Marvin Harrison is the only other generational grade that I have personally given. So with Harrison, you're getting a guy who's 21 and a half years old projected to be a top three to five NFL draft pick son of a future, like son of a first ballot hall of famer. He's a stud. He's an absolute stud. He's got the size. He's got the physicality. He's got the ability to become an every year perennial wide receiver one, the likes of Julio Jones, Calvin Johnson, Jamar Chase, Amari Cooper level of prospect is what we're talking about here. So is it hyperbolic to say he's already on the same level of these guys from a talent perspective? Maybe a little bit. We're projecting a little bit, but dynasty value wise, I think he should be on the level of these guys because he could very easily three games into his rookie season, be the wide receiver one in dynasty. Yeah, and this, this is kind of like the hedging spot, I would say, having him at four. I feel like you have to put him in this top tier. The reason being is that if he goes out and has a Justin Jefferson, a Jamar Chase, a CeeDee Lamb level gear as a rookie, let's just say he goes out there, gets drafted to the Arizona Cardinals, produces 1,200 yards, 10-plus touchdowns as a rookie. You're also noticing that he's over two years younger than every single other person on this, on that list. Two and a half years younger than Jamar Chase, over three years younger than Justin Jefferson and CeeDee Lamb. Even if you want to say from a, a caution standpoint, you want to have him maybe in a tier of his own between a monitor and with CeeDee Lamb. I understand that, but we're projecting forward. That's what we do over here at Fantasy Stock Exchange, and we understand that. Marvin Harrison has the most implied upside here. If he were to have the type of season we both think he's capable of, generational prospect, top five draft capital, he can command upwards of 150 targets as soon as year one comes. There's a chance that he's in a tier of his own and he's like the 105 in startups going into next offseason. Yeah, absolutely. So I think we've covered this top tier in depth. Again, the guys on the low right now, maybe Jefferson and Chase because of the quarterback concern with Jefferson with Kirk Cousins and uh, obviously the recent down performance with Chase. Of course, Lamb is on the up right now because he had the best season last year of the three yep. of these guys. Didn't deal with injuries. Quarterback didn't deal with injuries. And then, of course, the value accumulation piece here with Marvin Harrison. This next tier of guys here we have labeled as two mid to late super flex first rounders in terms of value. Again, don't get caught up too much in the semantics of the order of these players. It's more so a value bundle that we're talking about when you draft these guys. All six of these receivers, I would be comfortable spending a mid to late second round startup pick into the third round of startups on these guys with Amon Ross St. Brown, of course, PPR production. Garrett Wilson, we, we were expecting the monster potentially dynasty wide receiver one 
bringing second year breakout from him as the offensive rookie of the year two years ago. But Aaron Rodgers' injury kind of hampered that. Puka Nakua, I mean, we just talked about a Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase level rookie season. He would be in that first tier if he were a highly decorated prospect coming out. So the difference of him versus Jefferson and Chase being able to vault their way all the way up to dynasty wide receiver one, wide receiver two status is the fact that Puka Nakua was a fifth round pick. We're still ranking him aggressively more so than some other people, but we can't quite put him up to the level of, let's say, just the raw rookie season numbers that he put up yeah and i mean for reference too uh, i feel like that's also a a built-in protection as well knowing that uh justin jefferson when he had that season obviously everybody like i'm not i'm not talking about the fact that he isn't a generational player because obviously he clearly is but in terms of talent we know it's there but it's also the situational stability that we saw uh kirk cousins having i I think a two-year deal when he signed that or or maybe he got extended that offseason after his rookie season jamar chase having joe burrow for the long haul as as much as i love matthew stafford i think he's a clear top 10 quarterback in the league it's still a lot more uncertain uh uncertain of a situation long term a because matthew stafford who knows if he threatens retirement you know he's dealt with elbow injuries he's always getting banged up he's an older player now what if he retired within the next two off seasons on top of all that, I feel like he's more situationally dependent than when we saw from Jamar chase than what we saw from Justin Jefferson, which is why the kind of hedge here of having him in the second tier is valid. I feel like you can make the argument that he's a first round redraft pick. So if that's the case, he can't be any lower than the second tier of dynasty rankings at his age. Yeah, absolutely. And there's also the concern that McVeigh has also threatened retirement yep. as well. And this scheme is partially why Nakua has been successful. He's a great talent. He's a great player. And he absolutely is a top six or seven dynasty wide receiver, depending on if you're including rookies or not. But you do have to hedge a little bit. I, I think that Garrett Wilson and St. Brown are better players. I think that even Chris Olave and AJ Brown are better players. But we're kind of finding a middle ground here with Puka Nakua, where he's a young receiver, very, very young, very talented. But his situation, if it changes, how much does that change his dynasty outlook? Is this the best season of Puka Nakua's career? Is he never going to have a season like this again? I think that's within the range of outcomes. Olave and AJ Brown. I mean, with Olave, you're kind of hoping that his situation gets better in the future because I think straight up, I think he's a more talented receiver than Puka Nakua. But you drop Chris Olave in that Sean McVay offense, he's probably producing similar or even potentially better numbers than what Puka Nakua produced. And then AJ Brown would be higher on this list um, in terms of his overall ranking, but he is actually by a wide margin, the oldest guy in here. He is 26 and a half years old. A lot of these guys are 23, 24, 22 years old. So, and in Malik neighbor's case, he's actually 20 years old right now. So with AJ Brown, you got to factor in that he is a little bit older. He has probably two or three more really good years left, maybe even potentially more than that. Cause we've seen what receivers play well into their 40 or into their thirties, not forties. Um, but with AJ Brown, he is a physically dominant specimen. So his game may not age as gracefully as say Keenan Allen's or somebody like that. So that's kind of the risk factor you have with AJ Brown, but I still think he's one of the better by lows in dynasty right now because of the whole trepidation everybody has with the Philadelphia Eagles. So, I mean, what are your thoughts on those other guys? And then we'll tackle neighbors. Yeah, so right off the bat, I want to talk about A.J. Brown because obviously there's a lot more uncertainty with him right now. Uh, change in offensive play calling. Obviously, the Eagles going from Brian Johnson to Kellen Moore this offseason. Obviously, the decline in play of uh, both Jalen Hurts and the offense in 2022, uh, 2023 relative to 2022. All that matters on top of the fact that he always deals with knee injuries and like he's always uh, apparently in a bad mood. Like I don't understand what's going on with this guy psychologically at times, but it's undeniable that he's one of the elite talents at wide receiver in the NFL. He's still sub 27 years old. I believe he will be turning 27 older this year, uh, June 30th, 1997. So he'll be turning 27 prior to this oncoming season. 
Um, we saw the ceiling. Like we've seen this guy be able to burst out for 185 yards and two touchdowns any single given game. And although it's a more volatile top offense than some of the other top offenses in the NFL, I still feel comfortable projecting the Eagles to be a top 10 offense going into this year. Yeah, and I think 27 is that age for wide receivers where we stop calling them a young wide receiver and yeah. they're all of a sudden a veteran wide receiver. And so prime. it's like when a running back turns 24, 25 years old or a quarterback turns 30. It's like that. that's the year that we're like, we're they're no longer young quarterbacks or young wide receivers anymore. So that's the only factor that we have to count for. With A.J. Brown, if he was 22 years old, he would probably be yes. at the top of this year. Yeah, or better yet, he, I mean, if it was 22-year-old A.J. Brown, I think you can make an argument of having a, a tier in between here uh, of the top tier and of the second tier. The reason why I, I still think that even if he was on the same age platform of a Chase, Jefferson, and Lamb is simply due to the volume because although he's so damn efficient with his volume, he doesn't quite get the raw targets that we see from Chase, for example, before he got hurt uh, a year and a half ago when him and Burrow were on the same page, he gets hurt uh, that 2022 season. He was averaging 11 targets per game. And when we see Jamar Chase with that type of volume, we know that he's going to be able to produce. Obviously, we saw CeeDee Lamb this year, Justin Jefferson, a target magnet in his own right. With A.J. Brown, for whatever reason, they'll have games where they give him like 11 targets, 12 targets, and they'll have games where he gets like three targets for the Eagles. Like we don't see a consistent workload, and maybe that's uh, part of it is because of the offensive inconsistencies this year finding their best players the ball. But although his share has been high in these last couple of years, again, like I said, he doesn't quite get the raw targets that some of those other guys do. Yeah, I mean, 17.7 PPR points per game is what Lamb produced as a yeah. third-year wide receiver. That would be better than any season of A.J. Brown's career, right? So, yeah. And then Lamb, of course, comes out 23.7 points per game. And uh, we know Chase has been over 20 points per game. Jefferson's been over 20 points per game. So it's just a lack of ceiling relative to Chase, Jefferson, Lamb. And then even like St. Brown and Garrett Wilson and Puka yeah. those guys have produced better seasons than A.J. Brown has ever produced. And I think Alave at least has the potential to do that one day. So um, that's kind of the difference. And then with Malik Neighbors, I mean, yeah. we're talking... AJ Brown is was born in what? Two, uh, uh, 1996 or something like that. What is it? 1997 that he was born. Yeah. June 30th, 1997. Malik neighbors within the same tier was born in 2003. So we're talking about a six year age discrepancy, a guy that won't even be 21 years old on draft night. And he just produced, in my opinion, a season that absolutely got robbed of the Bolitnikoff award. Marvin, as great as he is, was not better than Malik neighbors this season. Um, so Malik neighbors, again, future top five, top eight NFL draft capital. Awesome prospect. We comped him to like a Brandon Ayuk. I've heard Stefan Diggs. I've heard DJ Moore. This is the type of dude that you want to bet on. And there's a lot of great landing spots at the top of the NFL draft this year for a young wide receiver to go to. If he goes to Arizona, if he goes to the chargers, if he goes to, I mean, even the giants and Titans have a lot of targets available in their offense, even if they don't have the greatest quarterback play right now, I think Malik neighbors is very well set up to be an insulated high end dynasty asset. And I have him ranked currently as my one Oh four in dynasty rookie drafts. And if you're wondering again, what pick does it cost to get to the one Oh four involving these players? This is where the one Oh four falls, at least in yeah. my dynasty wide receiver rankings landscape. So if we're talking in relation, uh, those first four guys, the three first rounders tier are typically going to find their way at least in the top 12 of your startup drafts. Like I, I've seen multiple times that maybe sometimes the 102 will fall. 103 will fall. Uh, and depending on the league, either Drake may or Marvin Harrison is going to be the 102, 103 respectively. If that ever falls uh, outside of the top 12. You should be snagging it. Like that's clear as day. 
These guys are going to be first round level talents. We usually see the wide receivers, the three wide receivers here that are already in the league find their way by 110. But typically Marvin Harrison Jr., for whatever reason, will fall to 14 or 15 because I, I just feel like it's, it's the nature of the cycle at this current point. People seeing the kickers versus people saying maybe post NFL draft startups where we'll start seeing Marvin Harrison go at 11th overall, 10th overall, 12th overall, I feel. So wanted to mention that uh, in terms of the sec uh, two mid to late first rounders tier. Those guys will typically, like Corey said, find their way in the mid-second round area up until maybe the mid-third area is typically when you see Chris Olave go. Like, I know you did a startup recently. I think you got Olave, what, 3-6? Yeah, 3-0-6 is where I got him. I think he was the last of this group to go off the board, yeah. and I took I took Neighbors right before him at 302, which was the 104 yep. is what I took basically. So neighbors or Drake may, depending on the guy that's available there, maybe Jaden Daniels as well. Yeah. Typically by the mid third round is when these guys are off the board in a startup room where people are valuing youth and, and stuff appropriately. If there's a startup room where everybody's taking running backs or whatever, yeah. these guys might slide a little bit more. Uh, you mentioned Puka, Garrett Wilson, quarterback uh, uncertainty this year. We're expecting Aaron Rodgers to be back. And then Amon or St. Brown, you can make the argument too, that Amon or might be kind of like in a mini tier above. I would say with what he produced this past year with his age, um, I'm not, I don't feel comfortable putting him in that tier with Chase, Jefferson, Lamb, and Marvin. But I do think that out of these guys, I think he has to be the clear number one off the board. Yeah, for sure. He's got the situation. The offensive uh, coaching staff isn't going to change. A lot, a lot yep. of people were worried about Ben Johnson leaving. He's going to stay by the looks of it. So yeah, we can definitely move on to the next tier. And Keep in mind, again, this is probably for visual purposes. I don't think this group of uh, of wide receivers is that much better than the next group of wide receivers. I, I think, agree. you know, outside of the top eight dynasty wide receivers or so, there is like a massive group of probably 12 to 15 guys that you could put at wide receiver nine or, you know, right in this like back end wide receiver one, high end wide receiver two area. As of now, way, the way we have a consensus ranked is Tyreek Hill, Brandon Ayuk, DJ Moore, Jalen Waddle, Devontae Smith, and Nico Collins. A lot of differing reasons for a lot of these guys. Like, I mean, Tyreek Hill is the oldest of this group, is providing you with the best value over replacement production. Brandon yeah. Ayuk, DJ Moore, Jalen Waddle, Smith, and Collins are more so in their prime receivers. Some of them have great quarterbacks. Some of them are clear alpha number one. Some of them are high-end uh, wide receiver twos in the NFL, like Waddle and Smith. So, I mean, with these guys, I don't think we need to explain too, too much. I would say the guys that are maybe newcomers to this area are Brandon Ayuk and DJ Moore. With us, I mean, we've always been very high on Brandon Ayuk. He basically alpha Debo Samuel this year in terms of overall target share, overall air yard share. And I think I feel confident that the, the 49ers are going to make it a priority to re-sign him this offseason. I think I his think best so. place for production is with San Francisco. Um, so for me, Ayuk, I, I believe, is a back-end wide receiver one in Dynasty, even though he's 25.9 years old as it currently stands right now. So he is a little bit older than you know Waddle and Smith and some of the guys above him. Yeah, he, he, the thing with Brandon Ayuk, which is so infuriating, it's like the Stefan Diggs factor from a few years ago where this guy's clear as day, one of the top eight overall talents. I'd even argue he's probably a fringe top five overall talent at wide receiver. I really do. Now it's hard to get him inside the top five because of how many damn good elite wide receivers there are, but make no mistake about it. Brandon Ayuk, you could argue was the best wide receiver on an efficiency basis. In the NFL this year, only 105 targets yet producing over 1300 receiving yards, producing seven uh, receiving touchdowns, uh, 16 games, 249.2 PPR points scored. The real only concern here is, not with the offensive play calling, is not with the quarterback play, is not with the offensive uh, firepower. 
It's more so just the raw volume of pass attempts. The San Francisco 49ers simply don't throw the ball in. Uh, that has to be a little bit of a factor as to why he's not quite on the tier with A.J. Brown. Because if you're actually looking through the numbers, you can make the argument that A.J. Brown, Brandon Ayuk, D.J. Moore should probably be on the same tier. I mean, they're both are they're all like 26, 27 year old wide receivers, all producing in the 80 to 85 receiving yard range. I just see uh, in terms of volume, the offense of the Eagles having the most upside comparative to the Bears comparative to the Niners. Caleb Williams lands with the Caleb Williams lands with the Bears. Maybe we are having a different tune with DJ Moore coming off the season that he has. But I just feel like at this point, you have to have AJ Brown a tier above because of the offensive firepower, because of the consistency we've seen. But if a year in time, Brandon Ayuk and DJ Moore specifically are on the tier with AJ Brown, whether that's AJ Brown moving up or or whether that's A.J. Brown moving down or them moving up, I definitely see could be a case uh, within the next year. Yeah, I actually have more quite a bit lower than you. You have him at 12, sure. I have him at 18. There's a number of young receivers like Nico Collins, like Rasheed yeah. Rice, who's in the next year, like Drake London, who I actually prefer to D.J. Moore. And, and mainly due to the fact that he is slightly older than those guys and the fact that it, you know Chicago, if they do choose to draft Caleb Williams or if they stick with Justin Fields, regardless of what they do, I, I feel like there's going to be more talent added around the Chicago Bears receiving core, and it won't be quite just the DJ Moore show anymore. So that's kind of the, sure. the minor concern. And again, like I said, wide receiver 18 for me, DJ Moore, you have my wide receiver 12. It's not a, an egregious difference. No. Like they're, they're very minute differences at this point in the board. I mean, when we look at this tier, there's guys that are on the up. Like I talked about Nico Collins, DJ Moore and Brandon, Ayuk come to mind. And then there's guys on the downward trajectory, like Jalen Waddle and Devonte Smith, who of course last off season were on the upward trajectory because they had wide receiver one finishes. Both of their offenses were very productive. We You're saw younger. a bit of growing pains with the, the Eagles offense. We saw a little bit of growing pains with the Miami Dolphins offense, especially towards the back half of the season. But when you think about like an ease of projection with these two guys, it's just so simple, right? Like, yeah, they're not going to have wide receiver three overall 18.5 PPR points per game in their range of outcomes, Sands and AJ Brown, Tyree kill injury, or if they move on to different teams or whatever. But Jalen Waddle and Devontae Smith, I feel very confident in projecting for high-level production, at least high-end wide receiver uh, to or better uh, production for the next couple of years. Yeah, and then with Nico Collins tailing it off, because obviously we go went through every other wide receiver, uh, Tyreek Hill being the needle mover if you're a contender, the other guys representing what they do. With Nico Collins, he, I feel like he's the biggest wild card out of this group. Because if you're looking at it, obviously a young player, uh, 1999 birthday, hasn't even turned 25 yet turns 25 in March attached to CJ Stroud. We saw CJ Stroud throw what 22 touchdowns this year when he was healthy. Yeah, he was outstanding. And Nico, yeah. I, I think the, the detractor for Nico Collins is the fact that how tank Dell and him were kind of coexisting as the number one receiver Fair. there for the Texans while they were health, healthy on the field together. So again, you could make the argument that Nico Collins is even too high and he should be at least within the same tier as tank Dell. Um, given the age discrepancy between those two guys, because Tank Dell is a little bit younger than Nico Collins. So, but regardless, I mean, you talked about Ayuk being one of the most efficient receivers in the league this year. Yeah. Nico Collins was on par pretty much in terms of yards per reception, yards per route run, those kind of things. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's what I was going to point. So with Nico Collins, the reason why I feel comfortable projecting him over Tank Dell, uh, again, I really like Tank Dell in his own right, and uh, we'll talk about him in this next year. With Nico Collins, like I said, kind of represents the best of both worlds. Uh, nearly 1,300 receiving yards in 15 games, 86.5 receiving yards per game. That was higher than A.J. Brown last year. So even despite sharing the field with Tank Dell in the instance that we did, yes, maybe we don't expect 86 yards per game, but if he's uh, sub 25 years old, 
expected to produce over 80 yards per game again next year. Uh, coming off a season where he had his breakout in the year where C.J. Stroud most likely threw for his least touchdowns in the NFL. Because I, I would make the argument that C.J. Stroud showed enough where we can count on him being like a Dak, like a Joe Burrow, like uh, Justin Herbert, like some of these other pocket quarterbacks where we could pretty much lock them in for 28 plus 30 plus passing touchdowns a year and getting that, uh, getting access to that big play X wide receiver for this offense. It's honestly a better bet in my opinion than what we were making with T Higgins just two years ago. Yeah. I mean, you can make the, like we're comfortable investing in AJ Brown and Devonte Smith. We're comfortable investing in Tyree kill and Jalen Waddle. Like they're not, those two quarterbacks are not as good of passers as CJ Stroud. So we should be very comfortable investing in both of these wide receivers because two wide receivers from the same offense experiencing a breakout season under the tutelage of a rookie quarterback is not something that anybody should have seen coming because rookie quarterbacks don't traditionally produce at that level. So if CJ Stroud was that good as a rookie, there's a very good chance that he's only going to get better and any offset production that Nico Collins experiences from Tank Dell being on the field the whole time. And Tank Dell's a smaller receiver. He could probably still miss some time here and there is going to be offset. Like I said, by the fact that CJ Stroud is probably going to produce more production than he produced as a rookie. Most rookie quarterbacks tend to get better as their careers go along. Yeah, no, completely agree. Um, But moving on, I feel like we can move to the next tier because these guys all kind of represent similar things to me mentioned Brandon Ayuk, DJ Moore, uh, elite efficient wide receivers, maybe tailed off by their overall offensive volume, Jalen Waddle, uh, the down tier, if you will, of these guys. Cause last, last time we were talking, he was in that second tier bad season, but we expect him to get back to that level. Same thing with Devonte Smith, maybe not quite a wide receiver three in fantasy ceiling, but can he be the wide receiver nine in points per game? Absolutely. And then obviously these last couple with Tyree kill, Big difference maker, but older player. Nico Collins, a little bit more volatile of a projection, but if he does hit it, could be in that second tier. But moving on, uh, we do have this mid to late first rounder tier of Romo Dunze, Rasheed Rice, Drake London, Michael Pittman, Tank Dell, Jordan Addison, T. Higgins, Zay Flowers, Jackson Smith, and Jigba, and DK, uh, DK Metcalf. So right off the bat, what sticks out to you about this tier, and how do you kind of microanalyze it? I mean it's whatever you value in this year, right? Like if you value offensive insulation and, you know, good projections year over year, guy like Rasheed Rice is going to be very appealing, right? If you value, and that that same could be said for Tank Dell and same could be said for Jordan Addison, assuming Kirk Cousins is there and T Higgins, assuming he stays in Cincinnati potentially, and even Zay Flowers too in Baltimore. But if you value like, I'm the clear alpha receiver of my offense, I just need my situation to get better than Michael Pittman Jr., Drake London, um, Jackson Smith and Jigba, those guys maybe um, appeal to you a little bit more. So it's kind of pick your flavor here. Again, they all kind of blend together in terms of their overall value. If you wanted to tell me that the guy that we have at the end of this tier, JSN or DK Metcalf is at the beginning of this tier. I'm not going to argue with you too much. The way that I look at it is Rasheed Rice is the easiest projection of this tier. Ergo, he should be the highest of this group. He's a good receiver. We've seen that very clearly throughout his rookie season. He plays with Patrick Mahomes. That's why he's at the head of this tier for me. Drake London, he's a great receiver. He just needs a quarterback. And once he gets a quarterback, he's easily, and we've been saying this for two years now, one of the better by lows in all of Dynasty. Yeah, and I mean, adding to London, uh, real big news for him, obviously, the hire of Raheem Morris bringing into OC uh, Mr. Zach Robinson, who does have that flavor of the McVay tree, of that LA Rams type of tree. So if you're getting that type of uh, potential offensive output from this team moving forward, if you're getting a potential quarterback upgrade, which literally could be anybody, whether that's Kirk Cousins, whether that's Ryan Tannehill, whether that's they draft somebody in the draft, whether that's they trade for Justin Fields, regardless of what the Falcons do, 
they will be in a better spot at quarterback than they were this year with Desmond Mitter, with Taylor Heineke, uh, for Drake London, for Kyle Pitts, for B. John Robinson. So, yeah, I definitely feel like at this point you're buying uh, Drake London right before he explodes in value. Because like you said, I do expect him to be in that Waddle, Smith, Collins, et cetera, tier there, assuming the quarterback play is even average. And if he is able to get access to a quarterback that ends up being above average, a potential top 10, top 12 level quarterback in terms of play, we could be looking at a top 12 overall dynasty wide receiver. A little bit more risky, but like you kind of mentioned, a lot of these profiles in this range, uh, going from Odunze to Metcalf, all have their own risks respectively. Yeah, and I mean... <laughs> The other major thing that you kind of touched on, but didn't maybe touch on enough, in my opinion, is the the pass volume nature of yes. a Ram style offense versus an Arthur Smith led offense. We know 27 or 28 percent of the targets of an Arthur Smith led offense with Desmond Mitter or Taylor Heineke hasn't really amounted to more than like wide receiver three, low end wide receiver two production for Drake London, despite how good he is, despite the fact yep. Drake London is still just 22 and a half years old, younger than, you know, Zay Flowers and some of the guys in this tier that have been in the NFL for less time than him. So uh, yeah, Drake London, I mean, he's younger than some of the receiver prospects in this year's class coming up. Like Xavier Leggett is older than Drake London. Like it's pretty crazy to me how young this guy still is and how much meat is left on the bone for him. So he is absolutely one of the bigger buy lows here. I mean, the rest of these guys, Addison, again, he's kind of like the the, the B plus Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle, where you're not getting the number one receiver yeah. of his team probably ever, as long as Justin Jefferson is there. But when Justin Jefferson's on the field, he demands attention. He demands coverage, all that kind of stuff. I expect Kirk Cousins to be back. Um, I know it's not a guarantee. I just think that people will be hesitant in free agency to like backload a Brinks truck to a 36-year-old quarterback coming off an Achilles tear. So I tend to think he'll be back with Minnesota, but that's not a guarantee. Again, T. Higgins, we don't know what's happening with him in free agency. Michael Pittman Jr. is also a free agent. So there's yeah. a little bit of uncertainty in this tier. Essentially, you're getting wide receiver two talent archetypes who in the right spot can be wide receiver ones with good pass volume, with good coaching, with good quarterback play and all that kind of stuff. And Rasheed Rice really, as it currently stands in this tier, is the only one that checks all of those boxes, although no, maybe not quite to the level of talent of some of the guys behind him. Yeah, and I feel like there's a, there's still a little bit of concern there where let's just say the Chiefs in the first round, maybe they add a lad McConkie, maybe they add another target commanding wide receiver to this team, natural separator to this team. Travis Kelsey obviously getting a little bit older, but he still has something in the juice. Like I, I was dead wrong. I went into the playoffs thinking, is Travis Kelsey washed? Like are the Chiefs going to be, you know, smoked by the divisional round? Like what's going on here? And Travis Kelsey just so happens to have one of the better postseason runs we've seen from a tight end, whether that's Taylor Swift or whether that's wh whatever the case may be. He really found the fountain of youth. Uh, really refound, sorry, the fountain of youth, which is why the Chiefs are going back to the Super Bowl. So uh, with Rasheed Rice, I feel like it's clear as day that everybody knows the role, everybody knows the situation, and everybody knows that he's a, a really solid talent. The only question mark here is, is he going to be potentially be the alpha moving forward? Because if he is, let's just say going into next year, they don't add a wide receiver. Maybe Travis Kelsey is at you know 85% of what we even saw this year. You can make the case that Rasheed Rice should easily be in that tier with Waddle, with Smith, with Collins, with DJ Moore, and potentially has the the opportunity to rise to that two to uh, two mid to late first rounders tier if he keeps building off of what he showed this year. I just feel like the volatility is there where they could add a better target commanding wide receiver to this team. Yeah, and uh, Odunze is the only guy that we haven't really touched on in this tier. Um, I personally, uh, I have Odunze ranked behind um, the likes of Drake London, and I believe also behind somebody else that's in this tier. I can't remember exactly who Rasheed? it is right now, but I, I think Odunze is a great, 
again, mid to late first round value. He's going to go probably at 106, 107 in most people's rookie drafts and super flex leagues, assuming we get those top three first round quarterbacks ahead of him. And then, of course, Malik Neighbors, Marvin Harrison, and maybe in tight end premium formats, Brock Bowers goes ahead of him as well. So Romo Dunze represents kind of, again, throw him into the melting pot. He might be in one of the better projections in this group if he gets drafted to the Cardinals or if he gets drafted to the Chargers or if he gets drafted to a team that has a great quarterback and has some targets available for him to go up against. But, you know, 107, 108, that sounds about the going rate of a lot of these players if you were to sell them for a 2024 first. Yeah, I mean, they're all right around valued 107, 108, and it really just the scale of that depends. Do you prefer Rome or do you prefer wide receiver X here? Do you prefer Rome? Do you prefer T Higgins? Do you prefer Rome? Do you prefer Zay Flowers? Do you prefer Rome? Do you prefer Jackson Smith and Jigba? A lot of these questions, you don't automatically go to one side or the other, which is why I think their valuation is appropriate in that same tier. Yeah, and um, we're doing our top 30 wide receiver rankings. And spoiler alert, there will not be any more rookie wide receivers that find their way in our top 30, at least consensus-wise. I actually do have Xavier Worthy inside my top 30, but Danny has him a little bit lower. And I think you have Thomas, Brian Thomas Jr., close to your top 30, but I have him a little bit lower. So it balanced out essentially that no no other rookie wide receivers would find their way up here because we view it as a tier break after 107, Romo Dunze, Brock Bowers area. There's going to be a litany of these wide receivers that you would probably prefer to Xavier Worthy, to Brian Thomas Jr., to Troy Franklin, to Ladd McConkey, whatever receiver you really like in this draft class, I prefer T. Higgins over those guys. I prefer Jordan Addison over those guys. I prefer Zay Flowers over those guys. So that's kind of the tier break there. Really, the way I kind of view it is the guys in this tier, I would uh, would pretty comfortably take at this point over the rest of the rookie wide receivers, me personally. Uh, Whereas in the next tier, I feel like it's a lot easier to make that case where, oh, I have the 110 right now and Lad McConkey staring me at the board. Would you rather have Lad McConkey or Devontae Adams? And I feel like we can just transition into this tier because I feel like that's a reasonable uh, argument you can make for any of these guys. Would you rather have Lad McConkey or Debo Samuel? Would you rather have Xavier Leggett or George Pickens? Would you rather have, uh, you know, Xavier Worthy or Stefan Diggs? Would you rather have, uh, I mean, I already said Lad McConkey. Troy Franklin, Adonai Mitchell, Brian Thomas Jr. Like all, all these top 10 wide receivers this year that'll probably find their way late day one to mid day two in the NFL draft. I think you can make the argument for against Diggs, against Adams, against Pickens, against Debo. So late first rounder is literally the perfect uh, generalization for this tier. Yeah, I mean, all of those guys that you just mentioned are ranked as wide receiver threes in my dynasty wide receiver uh, rankings right now. That includes, you know, veteran wide receivers and rookies. Like I have Xavier Worthy, like I said, at 25. I have Brian Thomas Jr. at 39. I have Adonai Mitchell at 38. I have Xavier Leggett at 33. I have Ladd McConkey at 32. Like they're all kind of rated in that range. Troy Franklin's there for me at 30. Like they're all in the wide receiver three range because once you get outside of the proven commodities that are still young, like Zay Flowers, like Tank Dell, like Drake London, like all those guys, then you can start to take a swing at the rookies, assuming that they will potentially eclipse the value of some of these guys. So, I mean, maybe this is the the family guy mystery box uh, thing that you guys think we're doing right now with saying that these rookie wide receivers are among the likes of Stefan Diggs, Devontae Adams, George Pickens, and Debo Samuel closing out this top 30 of our rankings. But at the same time, the value accumulation potential for Devontae Adams, Stefan Diggs, and Debo Samuel specifically, maybe not so much George Pickens, is not nearly as high as, uh, let's say, Troy Franklin goes 29th overall to the Buffalo Bills. He comes in and he dominates right from day one. He is going to rise all the way up dynasty wide receiver rankings. The same could be said 
Adonai Mitchell goes 33rd overall to the Carolina Panthers, and he is the stud alpha number one wide receiver for Bryce Young long-term. He's going to rise all the way up dynasty rankings the same type of way. So it's betting on the range of outcomes at an appropriate price tag. You're not saying that, you know, in a vacuum, I would always take these guys over Stephon Diggs and Devontae Adams. It's like if you were a competitive team, you probably prefer the production. But in a neutral situation or a team situation where you're trying to shed points from your team and, and rebuild your team around younger players, then those guys make more sense. Yeah, the way I kind of look at this tier is if you're a contender, you're shopping your late first for any one of those guys. If you're not a contender and you have any one of those guys, you're taking any of these rookie prospects over those guys. Because at the end of the day, like Corey said, you can draft a Brian Thomas. He goes 22nd overall this year, ends up having 930 yards and eight touchdowns. Like he has like a Rasheed Rice type of year. Well, you guys see where we have Rasheed Rice ranked in that tier above with potential to move up moving forward. Or hypothetically, he goes out there, has 1,200 yards and 10 touchdowns. Maybe we see him where Garrett Wilson is, where Amonor St. Brown is, where Puka Nakua is, where Chris Olave is. That's why we talk about these rookie wide receivers in their own light, and people always get this wrong in terms of conception as to what we are saying. We are not saying today those rookie wide receivers are on the same level talent-wise to these players. We're saying if they do hit that upper range of percentile outcome, we're saying if they do hit that upper percentile outcome, their value is going to absolutely abolish this late first round tier. They're going to be worth multiple first round picks. Yeah. And if you're more risk averse, you understand that, hey, maybe of those like six guys that we mentioned, Adonai Mitchell and Keon Coleman become big busts at the NFL level. And by not drafting those guys highly and sticking with the production like Devontae Adams and Stefan Diggs, you avoid that risk. But I would tell you that there's the risk that Stefan Diggs, Devontae Adams are potentially a little bit over the hill. So you're still factoring in well, risk on either side. It's just all what you value, right? If you want the uh, pop possibility, like any Puka Nakua drafter will tell you right now, any um, like you said, Rasheed Rice drafter or Tank Dell drafter or Nico Collins drafter would tell you right now, it feels pretty damn good to hit that big on a player that rose so much in value to the point that you can trade, even if you didn't believe in them. Like I had a league where I, I got Nico Collins in a trade and I feel quite good about Nico Collins right now to the point that if I wanted to go sell Nico Collins for Drake London, a player that I think is maybe even a little bit better than Nico Collins, even though the situation isn't quite comparable, then I could go do that. But you can't do that if you don't hit on the player in the first place. Yeah, so I mean, uh, the way we're kind of looking at it here is if you trade a first round pick either way, whether it's to acquire one of these guys, whether it's to trade one of these guys off for a first round pick, within a year's time, it could look crazy one way or the other. The one way it could look is, oh yeah, you traded it for Debo Samuel. He was the wide receiver nine in fantasy this year and helped you win the championship. You're going to be thankful that you made that deal. But on the inverse, if they end up going into their Keenan Allen mode, Keenan Allen was the wide receiver eight in fantasy this year. He was higher in terms of point per game, top five wide receiver in terms of PPR points per game. He doesn't even find his way on this list. It just tells you that once you get into that age 30, age 31, age 32 year, uh, area, you're expected to be a top 10 player. You're expected to be a top five player at your position. And if you're not, say you have a down year where you're the wide receiver 17 in fantasy, you're going to be discarded for Adam Thielen prices. Yeah, or, to, I mean, look at what happened with Cooper Cup just one year yeah. later. Look what happened with Tyler Lockett. Look what happened. I mean, Mike Evans and Amari Cooper had pretty good years, but if they didn't, they'd be in a similar uh, a similar boat. DeAndre Hopkins, same thing, had a pretty good year, but he would have really, really fallen out of favor had he not had a good year. So yeah. that's kind of the, the, the tightrope you have to walk between the age and the production apex kind of that you're looking at with these wide receivers. It's It all depends where your team is at. If you're in a production mindset because your team just won the championship and you're trying to run it back, 
we're way too low on Cooper Cup, in your opinion. We're way too low on Keenan Allen, in your opinion. We're way too low on Mike Evans, in your opinion. But we're coming at this from a, in a startup, how would we rank these wide receivers? And in a startup, we generally take the frame of mind that I want to stay flexible. I want to build a young team. And if I get value on veterans that help me compete, that's fine. But I'm not going to count on that. I'm going to go at this with a format of, I'm going to build a great foundation to this team and then pivot my strategy once I have more information based on what everybody else in the startup is doing. If everybody's going young, maybe take some contending assets. If everybody's going contending, keep going after those young assets and trading for rookie picks. And we have mixed in there, obviously, some of those rookie players. And if you're doing the math, you can kind of figure out where you should be selecting them in startups. We'll see, you know, like like we said at the top, Chase, Jefferson, Lamb go in the first round, meaning that if Marvin Harrison Jr. is in that tier with them, he should also be going in the first round. So if you notice that the kicker rookie pick number two is falling to the mid-second round, that's your cue to go trade for because Marvin Harrison Jr. is a tier above uh, the Amonor St. Brown, Garrett Wilson, Puka Nakua area where we would typically see those uh, mid-second round picks uh, come off the board. Yeah, and even more so because that pick could also be Drake May in a great landing spot mm-hmm. if the Falcons decide to trade up for um, the the great quarterback prospect. So yeah, I, I mean, the kicker as rookie picks is, is also just a placeholder too. It doesn't necessarily yes. have to be these players, which gives you even more flexibility. So um, hopefully you guys enjoyed this video. Hopefully you got some value from it. If you did leave a like down below, if you want access to all of our dynasty rankings, our trade value charts, this kind of gives you a little bit like of an amuse bouche of what we have going on over at flock fantasy, but we have way more than this. We have trade value charts for all of our positions, all of our rankings, our dynasty, one quarterback, super flex prospect rankings for 2024, all up to date right now. We have um, our wide receiver draft class database. So you can do some studying and some prospect scouting on your own if you want to. We have all quarterback and running back databases coming very soon. Prospect models coming in March and in April. That should give you guys ideas of like ranges of outcomes. How good of a prospect is Marvin Harrison relative to how good of a prospect Jamar Chase was, for example. So all that stuff will be coming. And of course, our Dynasty Trade Calculator is available over there and first priority to Dynasty Decisions to help you guys get a personal advice from us if you want it. So uh, if that interests you, that will be linked down below in the pinned comment, flockfantasy.com. Promo code FSC will get you 30% off any of the packages, six months for free if you sign up annually, a free Zoom consult if you sign up annually with any one of us. I just did one this morning with somebody where we were going through his three Dynasty teams, had one guy that was a contender, two that were more rebuilding teams. So I I gave him personalized advice and we went through and looked at the other teams in the league and what kind of trade targets he should be going after. So if that interests you, that is a, a, um, a free gift for you if you sign up annually. And then also you do get a seven day free trial when you sign up to check out all of the value before you purchase anything. If you want, uh, are a little bit skeptical of it and you don't want to take the plunge yet. So if that interests you, definitely check it out. But with that being said, peace out and we'll talk to you soon.